This is the World in Brief from the Economist. Our top stories: Costas Karamanlis, Greece's transport minister, resigned after a passenger train carrying around 350 people collided with a freight train, killing at least 38 and injuring more than 85. It is not yet clear what caused the accident, though Greece's prime minister, after visiting the site, suggested that quote a tragic human error was to blame. The station master in the nearby city of Larissa was arrested. He denied charges of negligence. Havana syndrome, the mysterious condition reported by about 1,500 Western officials living abroad, is quote very unlikely the work of a foreign adversary. Five of America's intelligence agencies concluded in a report. The symptoms, first registered by diplomats in Havana, Cuba, in 2016, include headaches and ringing in the ears. Their source has long baffled spy agencies. The report did not identify a probable cause. Swiss prosecutors charged four bankers for allegedly failing to perform due diligence on deposits worth 50 million Swiss francs, or 53 million dollars, belonging to Vladimir Putin. The defendants, ex-employees of the Swiss subsidiary of Gazprom Bank, a Russian bank, opened two accounts in 2014 for Sergei Roldugin, a Putin ally, who prosecutors contend was acting as a straw man on behalf of the Russian president. America's Senate voted to repeal a federal rule that allows retirement funds to consider environmental, social, and governance (ESG) factors in investment decisions. The Senate's bill will probably prompt President Joe Biden's first veto. Two moderate Democratic senators sided with Republicans, who have attacked what they call "quote woke capitalism." The House of Representatives had earlier passed the repeal. Demonstrators in Israel blocked the main road between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv as part of a day of disruption to protest against the government's reforms to the Supreme Court. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who is on trial for corruption, is ramming through bills that would allow a majority in Parliament to overrule the judiciary. This has provoked weeks of protest across the country. Eli Lilly, an American pharmaceutical giant, announced that it will slash the price of its most commonly prescribed forms of insulin by 70 percent this year. The Biden administration has pressured firms to lower the cost of the drug. Democrats had already capped the price of insulin to $35 a month for older Americans covered by Medicare. TikTok announced new measures to reduce the time that young people spend scrolling on its massively popular social media app. After an hour, the Chinese-owned app will require users younger than 18 to enter a password. TikTok has faced criticism for failing to protect its young audience, who favor it over older competitors like Facebook. And fact of the day: 30%, the share of the world's mineral resources found in Africa. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Belarus's dictator in China. On Thursday, Alexander Lukashenko, the authoritarian president of Belarus, concludes a three-day trip to China. Despite mounting Western pressure on China over its stance on the war in Ukraine, President Xi Jinping hosted Mr. Lukashenko, a staunch Russian ally, meeting him in Beijing on Wednesday. Mr. Lukashenko has ruled his ex-Soviet republic since 
and crushed anti-government protests there with Russian help in 2020. That triggered Western sanctions, leaving him heavily reliant on Kremlin support. Last year, he let Russia use Belarus as a staging ground to invade Ukraine. China portrays Mr. Lukashenko's visit as a regular diplomatic exchange, describing Belarus as an all-weather strategic partner. In his meeting with the Chinese president, Mr. Lukashenko commended China's recent peace plan for Ukraine, which did not include any demands for Russian withdrawal from occupied Ukrainian territory. American officials say the visit is another sign of Chinese support for the Russian invasion. Some also believe it could lay the ground for Mr. Xi to visit Moscow soon. Maloney meets Modi Italy's Prime Minister, Giorgia Maloney, meets her Indian counterpart, Narendra Modi, in Delhi on Thursday at the start of a tour intended to mend fences and sell arms. Until recently, ties between the two countries were strained, notably by the trial of two Italian marines for the shooting of two fishermen mistaken for pirates off the Indian coast in 2012. But Miss Maloney's visit aligns with Western efforts to lure India away from its dependence on Russian weaponry. Mr. Modi's government recently announced a hefty increase in defense spending, so the potential gains for Italian firms, such as Leonardo and Fincantieri, are alluring. Miss Maloney will then continue to Abu Dhabi. Relations here are even more delicate, bedeviled by the tangled aftermath of Etihad's ill-fated investment in the now-defunct Italian flag carrier Alitalia, and by Italy's ban in 2021 on arms sales to the United Arab Emirates because of its role in the war in Yemen. Macy's in the Middle Macy's, America's oldest surviving department store group, will report its fourth quarter results on Thursday after a strong 2021 in which sales rebounded to pre-pandemic levels, growth at the retailer, whose main chain is the mid-market department store of the same name, stalled last year as inflation squeezed consumers cut back on spending. Macy's third quarter results were better than expected, propped up by rich consumers at Bloomingdale's and Blue Mercury, two high-end chains that the group also operates. On January 6th, however, the retailer warned that fourth-quarter sales would come in closer to $8.2 billion, down from $8.7 billion during the same period the previous year. While Black Friday and Christmas performed well, the lulls were deeper than anticipated, cash-strapped consumers trading down to cheaper rivals presumably did not help. Investors are eager to hear Macy's guidance for the year ahead. Steep discounts during the 2022 holiday season may merely have pulled forward spending. Mid-market retailers that cater to customers who are neither budget-conscious nor budget-free have a tough year ahead. Oceans of Negotiations It's been a busy week for those concerned about the world's oceans, 
The Economist's annual summit on the subject concluded on Wednesday in Lisbon, Portugal's capital. Across the Atlantic in Panama, the Our Ocean Conference, created by America's State Department, begins on Thursday. Both assess how industry and the public sector can protect the economies and ecosystems that oceans foster. Meanwhile, government representatives gathered in New York are once again at loggerheads over a new treaty to govern the high seas. These areas lie outside territorial waters and cover 64% of the oceans, yet there is no accord on how to govern them. Talks due to finish last year failed to come to an agreement over who will pay to implement and enforce the treaty, and who should own the plants and animals at sea, often used for medicine and bioengineering. The outcome this time around will be a key part of making good on the global pledge agreed at COP15 in Montreal to protect 30% of land and oceans by 2030. The Story of Sound, from Tin Foil to Vinyl Popular music has always been driven by technology. Not just the invention of electric guitars or arena-grade amplification, but also by the technology we employ to listen to recordings. Jonathan Scott, a music journalist, lays out the history of recording music in his book Into the Groove, tracing the story of sound reproduction back to Thomas Edison in the 19th century. The problem, as Mr. Scott concedes, is that few other than scientists really understand, or care, how sound is simulated. Nevertheless, every breakthrough is meticulously described, and the reader may get lost in pages and pages of arcane detail about new styluses, regional equipment distributors, and short-sighted bosses. Along the way, though, there are delightful snippets. The phonograph was envisaged as a dictation aid for businesses, among other things, and it was not until the first primitive jukeboxes that the commercial possibilities of playing back music were revealed. The romance of recording lies in the byways, not in the laboratories. daily quiz. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers, and as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. Wednesday. Which actress, who appeared in the sitcom Head of the Class, was married to Mike Tyson. Thursday. Which American author wrote the Civil War book The Red Badge of Courage? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mikhail Gorbachev. Dangers await only those who do not react to life. That's the world in brief from The Economist. Available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. 
Just download the Economist app to start listening.